Welcome to Bad Dad's Film Review, the weekly podcast devoted to the opinions of that most underrepresented member of society, the white 40-something male. We're here to hopefully bring you some brief respite from the awful banality of your existence, to stop you essentially being just a blinking, shuffling mannequin watching events in your life simply drift past you, like underwhelming prizes on a low-budget game show conveyor belt. A little bit of housekeeping for you. There will be some swears and some poorly thought out opinions. Hopefully not too offensive, but you never can tell. We are delighted to have Dan back this week, and I'm certain I can speak for everyone when I say that we missed you. Not in a stalkerish, I want to put you in a teeny tiny room to which I have the only key and repeatedly defile you type way, but in a totally normal, healthy, non-rapey manner. We're just as pleased to be joined by a true gentleman and master of his domain, Sidey. Hello. And finally, about as useful as Stephen Hawking's treadmill and loved as much as Anne Frank's drum kit, it's waddling skin sack Howie. Hello. (laughs) So, Dan, my wife and I play this game called... My wife and I play this game called One Word Review, which is as simple or as complex as you would want it to be, and it helps you to get to the real essence of something for example if i was to one word review sidey that one word would be sidey because that is him that is his essence that is his reason to be on the other hand if i was to one word review brighton rock i would go with something like awful because it was well awful so with that in mind dan can you one word review the movies you missed while you were on sabbatical starting with the personal history of david copperfield decent tumble leaf Unknown. (laughs) (laughs) Three dildos outside Ebbing, Missouri. (laughs) Masterclass. We Can Be Heroes. Oblivious. Junior. (laughs) Junior, did you? Junior. The the Arnie one where he's pregnant, remember? Oh, shite. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, being the huge horror fan that you are, you no doubt watched American Mary. So what was the one-word review for that? Bottle job. (laughs) <laughs> well thank you i feel i feel like we know what you would have said now on the program yeah big shout out to the directors that retweeted our podcast after we slated yeah. them. beautiful moment yeah. thanks sisters yeah. you know when you can you can tell someone hasn't listened to the episode <laughs> <and they've retweeted>. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening now hi i completely bottled asking them for a an interview because i thought if i do that then they will listen to what we said uh, yeah. i believe you i believe you quit while we're ahead yeah. yeah, I believe we particularly earmarked them for being the worst actors as well, not yeah. just terrible directors. No, we didn't. Reeks did. Oh, yeah, Reeks, sorry. Yeah, Their Reeks. accent in particular <laughs> came in for some pretty harsh criticism. Yeah. I think the problem is I never assume that anybody's actually going to listen to this. So, <laughs> What was interesting as well was that there were a lot of comments on the back of our tweet saying what a great film it was, yeah. how, how it was a great representation of blah, blah, blah. And I was yeah. thinking... It's a different take to what we had on it. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we missed something. Yeah. Um, we did have a top four slash five to finish off from last week. Yes. Top movie, Fridges. We had nominations for from Gidget Von LaRue for Ghostbusters Fridge Scene. And we had Rach gave us the nine and a half weeks one. So those were two that were mentioned on the pod, but they were they actually came in before that. Mel gave us not a movie, but the TV show. She always wanted the Brady Bunch fridge because she wanted an ice maker on the fridge. Yeah. I, I, I was saying, I just instantly thought of William Perry, the, the refrigerator. American football fans will know that one. And yeah. 
I'm sure he was in some kind of WrestleMania or some kind of Hulk Hogan film slash terrible show back in the day. So what are we going for? Are we going for William Perry, The Fridge, or are we going for something from the... I think Ghostbusters should go in. It's a strong one. All right, Gidget. Gidget Von LaRue, thank you very much. The Ghostbusters goes in. Nice. You jerks been watching anything good this week? I I watched the Godzilla versus King Kong trailer. Yes, that ticked every box for Magnus, my son. Every single box (laughs) that a film has was ticked by that short trailer. Dragons, enormous monsters. Team Godzilla or Team Kong? Uh, Kong. Fuck off. What? No one's Kong. He's got beautiful Riggs? nails. Do you see his hand in the trailer? I just, want to, I just want to see a fair fight. Do you, did you I, see the other bit of Dan, news about it? Dan, yeah, Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, no, no. I, would, I would edge towards Kong. Yeah. Oh, what is wrong with you? Yeah. No, there's, yeah. but Sidey, yeah. this Sidey, this might take take your appetite a little bit. There's a there's a rumor that Guillermo del Toro wants them. <laughs> is that his name? What is it? Stephen Stephen George Spielberg or something? <laughs> I don't know what his fucking name is. The guy that did Hellboy. No, that was that was basically it. Try it again. Del Toro, whatever his name is, is <laughs> related to Benicio. I don't know. He wants to do Pacific Rim monsters, the Keiju versus Kong and Godzilla. So Pacific God Rim knows. job. Yeah, Pacific Rim Kong, which is um, your favourite sex It'll toy. be dreadful. I, I, I've got a horrible feeling that it'll be like, you know, one monster isn't going to be the outright winner in that film. Mm. I think they're going to be some horrible cop out at the end you know one gets away or something i think they're friends and zilla has had something done to him which has turned him that's what it is but if nothing else this movie definitely has a scene where king kong fights godzilla with an axe and it's probably hard to imagine anything cooler than that and do you know what the axe is made of i was looking at nerdist today i don't know the axe is made of one of godzilla's spikes Ah, well, that sounds similar to a film I watched today. <laughs> uh, in a way, it, it's a Western called Bone Tomahawk, which was a recommendation from one of our ah. Twitter followers, Johnny Utah 66. Cool it's, handle, that is. Yeah, it is. it's you guys. Well, I know Riggs has seen it, but you two down there should watch it. It's it's a Western, but it's quite a violent. It's a violent. Well, there's only a couple of scenes, but they're quite. Ooh. very violent it's a violent um, time it, well it's cowboys and Indians, effectively but distilled down to some pretty gritty oh, subject matter I definitely definitely recommend you watch it it, was it is really good it's okay. really good very atmospheric I was going to say I'll tell you what I watched that was um, really good it's on Netflix it's a series called Lupin oh, oh yes. yeah, yeah we're on that Dan yeah. did you watch it, it it's in got French. the guy from The Untouchables yeah it? that's right yeah. Omar Sy Omar Sy yeah, yeah. Did you watch it in French with English subtitles? Yes. Otherwise, the voice is weird. Yeah, they've dubbed no. it in American. Yeah, well, I've never watched it dubbed. Yeah, I know, but it's no. it's super weird. It's super weird. When My French that, yeah. is rubbish, obviously. Dan didn't even have subtitles on. But that that was really really good. And we, I mean, let's face it, your English is only okay. Yeah, exactly. I caught three episodes of One Division. Yeah, bit, I've watched are you one. on board now? Because you were a bit, you're on the fence at uh, first. I've well, the first one. a lot of the time, yeah. it, the first two episodes, it's just a bland old sitcom pastiche with way no. too many pratfalls no. yeah. and overacting and laugh tracks and not enough mystery. And dropping one or two interesting things an episode was a little the whole bit fucking too much. Like what are you talking lost, about? in my opinion, and I think uh, I might not like Paul Bettany very much. And he threw chewing gum on the floor near the end of episode two, which should be punishable by death. He was um, drunk. Yeah. I've, I've, I've only it's still no excuse. 
So I've only watched one episode. Do I need to give it a go? Yeah, yeah. because episode three is really good. I've got, and I'm in now. Okay. Episode three kicks it you're, up. You're in Elizabeth. episode three. You're in I've, episode Yes. I play R2-D- one of the babies. So this week I've done something that other people have done all over uh, pandemic and lockdown. And I've never been someone to do that. And that is to get fully invested into a box set to the point where I have now hit the 80th episode. Oh, so I've got 20 to go, which is the final season. And my wife and my wife and I, of which program is this? This is the one I've been battering on about fringe, the sci-fi thing. So I've Uh. had 80 episodes and I'm still absolutely loving it. It's just, and I've never done this before. I know Riggs, I tried it with the 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 Sopranos. The Sopranos. (laughs) (laughs) You know those those fucking Italian mobsters. They're so funny. Anyway, those Sopranos, those Fatoni and all those boyos. I don't know where I'm going now with that. That's a bit weird. But yeah, so I know you've done that with Sopranos and got loads of episodes under that. And I have to say, do you know what? The tragic is, I think the only other show that I've seen that volume of episodes is probably The Simpsons or Friends. Yeah. Uh, How many are you watching a night of Fringe? About three or four. Because they're, they're 40-minute episodes, so we just, just put it on. And that's why I've not been watching much else. So the other night was a night off to watch this week's selections. I'll tell you what, the other thing that has gone down well in in our house is Raising Dion, which may be a recommendation, and also Lost in Space. Oh, no, I didn't like is that. Is that the Netflix one? We, we, I thought the first season was quite good. It. Yeah, first we season's good. With it, and yeah, we're now into... But, you know, we've got kids that are younger and older, you know, so there's a bit yeah. of a gap between our two. So finding something that can please both them and that we can actually mm-hmm. sit down and watch is always kind of tough. But both of those shows, particularly Raising Dion, but Lost in Space followed that. And we've all sat together, which is, is really nice to watch a, a show as a family. Second series cool. loses its way, I think, a little bit. Which is I haven't watched it yet. First series, really enjoyed, really enjoyed. All right, cool. Well, this week we're going to be doing another top five, and this time it's worst movie sets we watched a coen brothers movie as our first one the ballad of buster scruggs and then we'll be getting on to a children's tv classic doctor who so sidey you picked this week's top five i did i did indeed it's worst movie sets not best worst why don't you start Uh, us off with one of your worst movie sets yeah yeah, well, the one that inspired it was our recent viewing of Gremlins, and all the way through when the when the Gremlins basically invade the town at large, I couldn't help but see it as a a fake town on a mm. you know a back lot somewhere. It just looked completely and utterly bogus, and completely took me out of the movie. I didn't notice it the first time round because probably a lot younger and not such a critical eye, but it. It's the same place. It's the same town as Back to Future, I think. Yes, <laughs> which I kind of recognised, and it just looks really, really shit, cheap, and very yeah. fake. Yeah, which can and there sometimes are a lot of... be all right. Well, yeah, there are obviously these sort of manufactured towns on on studios that are very impressive, but this one, like you say, probably just a bit cheap, not, lacks a bit of attention to detail, and was kind of off putting. That's a good start. I've got one I thought was just 
shit. And maybe it was it's going through a little bit of CGI here, which I think all involves being the set. And it's a film that we we reviewed, Sharknado, um, <laughs> which I just thought the 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 awful backdrops in that and sets and no, it you're was, right, it was yeah. cheap and nasty looking the entire way through. And I know that's the kind of look they were going for. I've got a kind of subcategory of, of films that it's like it's it's sort of part of the joke of the film that it looks shit. I've got a few of these. Uh, uh, the inside of the Sydney Opera House looks suspiciously like a sort of bad warehouse, really, <laughs> yeah. didn't it, in that movie, for example? Yeah, there, there's just tons of it, you know, that just clearly has been put up very fast and they don't really care about it because they're, they're not expecting you to look that hard. And, you know, they, they try to save money every turn in that film, hence the, the different actors and, and so plot lines that just have massive holes in it. But the, with that in, in that in that mind, it's not that bad, but it's certainly nothing that's going to win any Oscars or, or set designing awards. I'm, I'm sure it picked up in Sharknado 6. Yes, yeah. They learned from their mistakes. Mm. Harry? Well, when I was doing the list, it was actually quite good because I was obviously going on the web and having a look. And I actually did look at look at some of the best sets and it's worth comparing some of the effort that goes into the best sets. The one that was always mentioned in all of them was obviously Cleopatra with Elizabeth Taylor. And it's worth looking at the stories behind it. And in terms of that worst set, that film could have been the worst because they tried to create ancient Rome and Egypt initially because of England's tax laws in Pinewood Studios. Mm. And so they started filming in, I think it was something like March and April. And basically the set was just like falling apart because of rain and everything like that. And really the English climate was not really suited to replicating a sunny day in Italy or Egypt. So they had to move the whole production, rebuild everything. And it became something like they'd already spent the equivalent of $80 million in today's money on sets. And they had to rebuild it all in Rome and Egypt. And that's why the film took on the grandeur and the relevance. They did. They they rebuilt the Sphinx. I didn't realize that. They'd made a a replica of the Sphinx in that film. It's just mental. But in terms of shit stuff, I'm going to go with my first one, which is Waterworld with Kevin Costner. If you look at the the, the fucking trimaran, whatever it is, the way they've made it shit is they've basically glued bits of old fiberglass onto an original (laughs) boat. The jet skis that Hopper's crew drive on are... They've just got like powder coated black bits on them to make it look like they're sort of hybrid rum down type efforts. Everything about this film is shit. And I think I've probably watched it a couple of times because unfortunately, <laughs> I think, I think it's unquite, like it. I think yeah, it's like, quite unfairly it, treated, this movie. It's the most expensive movie ever made, wasn't it? At the time it, at the time it was, and it yeah. was fraught with production issues because of the set flooded several times. It sank. The, I think the crew, yeah, the crew got very ill. Costner lived it up on some £4,000 a night. Remote he nearly died, didn't he? He, yeah. he nearly died in the production. Yeah, and apparently also, he was a bit of a fucking prick to work yeah. for as well. Yeah, uh, Laird Hamilton, the surfer he he was out on a jet ski doing some stunts and i think he had to go out to see something like obviously he was there for to surf a wave and the jet ski putted out and he was left adrift for six hours out in the middle of the pacific (laughs) and so he nearly died it's just a fucking catalog of disasters end to end this film i think it came off the fresh ripe turd smell of do you remember the postman that Mm, that was after was it after it or before it Costner went through a phase of basically anything he touched went to shit. 
Well, he, he did Dances with Wolves, and then he yeah. thought, right, I've hit a formula here. Let's do sort of yeah. eight-hour yeah. epics. And, <laughs> he, had a, Self- he had a taste for some epics, didn't he? And, but I, yeah. The Postman was better than Waterworld, I thought. Yeah, yeah, I give it that. And, yeah, I, I, and, it's and, not and, saying a lot. The, yeah, it's not saying a lot, is it? It's like saying that's a slightly shinier turd. So yeah, I'll go for Waterworld as my choice. Briggs, I'm going for the infamous Twilight Zone, the movie uh, directed by John Landis. This is really about the fact that there was a crash on set. So shot in in Santa Clarita, California, there was a, a scene that caused uh, that called for the actor Vic Morrow and two children actors, Micah Din Lee and Renee Shin Yi Chen. They were to cross a river while being chased by a helicopter, and due to sort of miscalculations with the pyrotechnics, an explosion occurred near the rear rotor of the chopper, and it caused it to fall on Morrow and the two child actors and killed them all instantly. <laughs> It was it was a real clusterfuck. Landis illegally had the children on set. There was a civil and criminal investigation. Steven Spielberg was the producer of the movie, and that ended the friendship between John Landis and Spielberg. There, it it, it was obviously not a bad set design per se, but when you're killing three people on it's set, two set. of them are children. It's not. I'm going to put that as one of the worst movie sets. Michael Bay would have used that. Yeah. <laughs> I would have made the final cut. Keep rolling. Keep rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for one that we're going to talk a bit about on a separate show. Uh, it's twins. And specifically, it's the moment where Arnold Schwartz rows away from the desert <laughs> island that he's on. <laughs> yeah. And... This happens quite a lot, and I've got another one later on. It's it's when they're they're clearly not on location, and the background is a painted kind of landscape. Mm, painting, but this yeah. one looked like it might have been done by my daughter. It was, <laughs> let's just say, it lacked finesse, and definitely didn't give the appearance of being out in the the Pacific, where he said where he claimed to be from. In the in the same vein as as Riggs, the crow. Yes, I had that one too. Brandon Lee, if you're um, a director, you need to control the set. I mean, it's up to you. And if if the car suddenly aren't listening and the prop people aren't listening and and somebody puts live bullets in guns and then starts aiming at actors, somebody will get hurt. And unfortunately, Brandon Lee was fatally shot. I mean, that goes down as... Why would you ever have live rounds? It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was was a a fucked up blank. Yeah. It was a Uh, fucked up blank. Right. But the the movie was plagued by like accidents and bizarre things. Yeah. There was a storm that destroyed part of the set set. Crew member stabbed himself with a screwdriver. A set sculptor drove his car through the sculpture studio. Crane <laughs> careered into live power lines. You know, the story of the shooting of that movie, and that was Alex Proyas as well, who largely like never really properly recovered from, from the crow. No, it's a shame I mean- because it's actually a pretty good movie. You know, when the director says, get off my set, I mean, that's just like, you know, it takes it to a whole new level when (laughs) people are just dropping like flies. And just in that same vein, again, I don't have another one, but Top Gun, the the stunt pilot crashed his plane into the Pacific and died as well. Yeah, he was Um, the aerial photographer. I read that. He tried to get out of a flat spin and just fucking died. So I I think just with those two examples of, of saying it doesn't necessarily 
need to be a visual thing that you see on on film to have sure. a reputation as a, a bad set. For my next one, I'm going to go for a bit of a weird one with because it annoys me and I can't understand why uh, they would do it. But Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with Kev- I've gone for Kevin Costner again. Why the fuck is this film set amongst ruins? Why the fuck is th- those castles should have been at their prime time in their life, yet every fucking castle is a ruin? So why didn't in the film they I don't know do some form of set design to make it look as le- uh, uh, as long make it look like like a gladiator in a they rebuilt the Coliseum. well it's not even that it's there there is that element of cgi to sort of upkeep things but to film it in say renovated or modern castles or something like that but instead they've just done that and it just looks bollocks and, and there's no reason for it and it doesn't make sense because the timelines are all wrong and it just seems like we've we've fucked all our money up the wall hiring all these actors let's film it in some ruins and it doesn't i don't i don't get that i don't get that so uh, the sets on all of that even the nottingham's castle looks like it's been looks like it does which is it's been around for like 700 years that's a good one i don't remember that specifically but i did do remember the movie i was watching it with the family going oh this is good this bit uh no it's not this is where he's trying to rape her and then Magnus is looking at me and it's like on at 5.30 on a BBC One. I'm like, I can't really explain what he's trying to do to us. 2009 Star Trek had a budget of in excess of $150 million, but it used an unaltered Dyson hand dryer as part of the set, <laughs> which just seems really lazy. As a nomination, though, I'm going to have to take it to Star Wars, particularly Attack of the Clones, which is just a hideous, hideous movie. Everything that looked halfway decent was either drenched in a mad orange or shit brown colour, and everything else was a shade of puke green mixed with bad CGI. Terrible sets, terrible integration of sets and green screen. Just, you know, bad, bad movie with bad, bad everything. You could argue that you know before you they've touched it up, <laughs> Empire Strikes Back, the Hoth battle is fucking terrible. When you watch it, it looks like models. Get out of town. It does. What are you talking about? No, give me the models over the shitty CGI. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but... Yeah, yeah, but I, a... I think that, you know, the, the, the models are far more superior to this CGI stuff. It, it's, it just shows they put a bit more effort into it, like when they've actually made a model. Well, I... As I understand it, the prequels had way more model models in than the original trilogy. They were just poorly integrated into the story. So a lot of the stuff that some of the stuff of the vehicles, particularly that you think looks CGI, isn't. It's just bad integration of CGI and practical effects. They did actually have a lot of model work on the prequels. So there, there. I don't know why it reminds me of the Casablanca, but they I watched the the making of that. There was a film with Gary Oldman. I think we might have talked about it in a previous pod. It's basically one of the, the tricks he uses for the set. He needs to put a, a plane and he knows that he hasn't got the depth there. So he gets a load of small people. Correct terminology escapes me. And he puts them at the back of the set to make the shot look yeah, real. bigger. Yeah. yeah that's no. in, uh, yeah, Casablanca. So okay. check it. Is that forced perspective? Yes. I will go for Tommy Wiseau's oh, masterpiece, I have that. The Room. Yeah. The scene 
on the rooftop, the San Francisco rooftop, <laughs> where they're throwing a football around, where he actually did own a place yeah. in San Francisco that had a rooftop <laughs> like that. But instead, he chose to green screen it yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. And it had the weird shed, the tin shed thing in the corner. Yeah. It's. Oh, hi, yeah. Mark. Get out of there. Yeah. No way, no way, no way, Tommy, no way. It seems a bit strange to just pluck one scene out of this movie. <laughs> yeah. But that one is is my favourite. Stuck out. Uh, what about Flash Gordon? Yeah. Yeah. Flash I felt Gordon. I felt mean picking on that one. Yeah, but, it's, it's, but again, it's, it's one of those films, I guess, that it works. You know, it is a cheap-looking backdrop and, and screening, but... It's a cartoon kind of film, isn't it? And mm. it, it suits the... Well, I think that part the of the problem... Suits what, it. what we've mentioned about some of the other films is they're a bit cheap and a bit lazy, whereas I think Flash Gordon was just too ambitious. Yes, exactly. And and some of the halls are just too grand and they aren't able to fill them with enough stuff no. and it just ends up looking a bit pantomime Yeah. But I still appreciate what they tried to do because I, I fucking loved that when I was a kid. Oh, but looking at it now, it's a film. bit like... Mm. It's a hard sell to the kids when they see that, you know, now when you've got so much competition on and, you know, you've got Guardians of the Galaxy or you've got, you know, Iron Man yeah, and all this kind of stuff. And you so, go, you... look at this, this is brilliant. Ming the Merciless yeah. comes up and it's like, oh God, really. But, but still something like Wizard of Oz stands up. My, my mm. daughter like that, you know, Reese kids like it. That that is still okay. So maybe they'd be all right with with Flash Gordon. Well, I, I think they give it a bit, chance. The story is is strong. I think it's still pretty cool. It's 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 easy to follow and, and you can laugh along. There's plenty of happening, but the the set would be off putting to to some people. I think now. Yeah, I'm going to go for blasphemy here. A bit of Ghostbusters. And we've kind of said it before, it's the city that's built that the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man kind of wades through. Get the fuck. It, it still <laughs> looks brilliant. <laughs> it is a bit guff, considering they were using CGI then, but that is sacrilege. It's just Wait, uh, they didn't get a 200 foot tall Marshmallow what? Man. That's <laughs> movie magic for you. I have got... Now, I don't know. I think this is called R.I.P.D. or it could be Ripped. It's the Jeff Bridges, Ryan Reynolds. Most art is derivative of something or other, but holy fuck, is it uncomfortable how flagrant R.I.P.D. is about trying to repackage men in black. Instead of a secret government agency investigating aliens who secretly live amongst us, it's a secret police department investigating dead people who secretly live amongst us. They borrowed much of the set from... Men in Black, it looks like. I wouldn't say it's... I mean, it's a clusterfuck of bad CGI and poor acting and terrible writing. And the fact that the sets have been ripped off so badly from the movie that it's just basically trying to be puts it in there. No, I, I really, really thought that was awful. I don't mean to pick on it, Howie, as you've just said that you like it, but take it from me, it's shit. Craptacular. How about Batman and Robin, then? Yeah. It gets... It gets a lot of grief for all sorts of things. I particularly hate the, the Gotham layout with those stupid fucking giant statues and stuff like that. But the set, the way it looks with Mr. Freeze. Eyes to a, see you. A, a Schwartz once again. And with all those really plasticky polystyrene looking blocks of ice, it's mm. fucking shit. Well, his base, Freeze's base is an abandoned ice cream factory, isn't it? 
and Robin gets tossed into a vat of melted pistachio ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> is, is this the one with Uma Thurman, isn't it? As yeah, the, Poison Ivy, yeah. yeah because Bane. they have the worst in- version of Bane you have ever seen. It does look a bit like that in the comics. Yeah, though. it does. Yeah. But it's not- um, it also has Alicia Silverstone oh, reaching yeah. up to the doorbell in a schoolgirl outfit, which is... Well, and they do the pedo. they do the gratuitous new bum scene of her in the rubber. Yeah, and also George Clooney's nipples. That movie <laughs> cost a hundred twenty five million dollars to make, which is twice the cost of Jurassic Park. Just let that <gasps> wow. sink in for a minute. Fuck. But when you go online, people some people really fight its corner. They really love it. Yeah, my kids like well, it. Well, but kids, I can't me. decide like the gimmicky sort of thematic locations and the stupid giant props. You know, it's kind of, they wouldn't do it now, would they? I mean, I'm not going to try and defend it. It's almost defending the indefensible, but at least they were going for something. I wonder what this new one's going to be like with... The trailer looks great. Yeah, It does. It does. I thought that there's supposed to be one with Michael Keating coming back. He's coming back to the multiverse one. Keaton. Uh, He's going for the Flash film. Ah, yeah. So it's it's like him as he's older, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm. They did it with the Superman, all the Superman actors in the last big DC event, and now they're doing basically the same idea, but with the Batman actors. Did you ever see a biblical epic called The Silver Chalice? No. No. Right, so it's Paul Newman. I think it may have been one of his first films, and Jack Palance in it. It was around like 1950s, so it's going back a bit but this looks like it was shot in a basically in a closet the whole film <laughs> it's 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 just terrible i don't know how what what they've done it there's just different shots from inside the closet that everybody's doing and they put some kind Is that of the light. name of your autobiography maybe yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's it's absolutely awful. I've not actually seen it, but in researching this in bad sets and things, this came up and I checked out a little bit of it on YouTube and confirmed that it is actual crap. So that, that should that should feature somewhere on there. But the, the other one that I was going to add in is, again, I've not seen this film, but I'm sure you've all heard of it, is Mortal Kombat. Oh, it's fucking terrible, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I like that movie. <laughs> I've not seen the movie, but I did watch, again, parts of it just to research this bad set uh, theme, and I totally agree with anybody <laughs> who's written anything bad about this movie. It just, it looked absolutely fucking shocking, and I, it was almost like a joke that they put this out. And it was such a great game as well. Yeah, it I is. loved it's that a, game. It's a great game. Flawless. Instead victory. of watching, instead of watching the movie, what you can do is just go on YouTube and watch a compilation of all the different fatalities yes. from the video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, it's much better. Yeah. That would yeah. be far better. What's better though, Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter? Street Fighter. Tough. There's no fucking tough about it. Well, yeah, I think probably. Come on. But with those fatalities, I used to be able to rip somebody's head and spine out and show them their beating heart before they drop. Dan, the you're confusing stuff, real you know? life and you're yeah. confusing again. And you won't watch again. a horror movie. We told you not to tell everyone on the podcast this about this. This was on my Game Gear. My secret Game <laughs> oh, Gear. Oh, Game Gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple more. Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Alice in Wonderland are two of the ugliest movies that have ever been made, which is really about the integration of practical sets and CGI. Fun fact, depending on your 
definition of fun. Alice in Wonderland made over a billion at the box office and for a time was one of the 10 highest grossing films ever, which wow. just sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? You're going to like this one, Sidey. Indiana okay. Jones and the Last Crusade had some oh. fairly dodgy sets in. Yeah, the ones that spring bit. to mind, Donovan's apartment, looks like it's made almost entirely out of plastic. And the inside of the Grail Temple, particularly when the ground begins to open up and shake, looks yeah, like I it's made out of that myself, styrofoam actually. and plaster. It's like Raiders of the Lost Ark with the final scene. It's like just a back lot of somewhere. Yeah. It does not just didn't have the tech, did they, to, to go no. There's enough ideas. magic going on there that you can, that you can forgive you it. You can gloss yeah. over that, yeah. 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 The Goonies, the galleon at the end is a sort of awful integration of painting and cheap set, but it cost an absolute fortune and took them two and a half months to build. Um, <laughs> they didn't so, build it, they found it. Epic failure. They, yeah. found it. they right. found it in a cave. What are you talking about? One-eyed Willie was there, jacking uh, diamonds there's, everywhere. There's an element of truth in that. One-eyed Willie, lol. <laughs> yeah, got away with that for so long. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was I was looking on this and, and somebody had put in the Princess Bride. Yeah, it is. It it's got overly fake set parts within the countryside, so you get huge giant fake boulders and things like that, which Inconceivable. <laughs> who'd have thought, eh? Who'd have thought? Yeah, I, I I really like that. And again, I can probably forgive that for any lack in set just because the, the story itself is so good. There's a film, believe it or not, called Piranaconda. Um, <laughs> Sounds decent. Which is a 2012 film, and it really has, again, just the most shocking CGI that you've ever, ever seen, unless you've seen The Amazing Bulk, which is a ripoff of The Amazing Hulk, but he, the guy turns out to be looking more like Barney the the dinosaur then <laughs> and he runs off down the street I mean really really bad acting coupled with bad CGI coupled with you know a Sharknado experience that isn't that good and and one other film in that same kind of mode which you should just check it out just look at Hollywood Cop a 1987 film and there's just this one scene that I caught where the guy was slicing off somebody's throat he was holding him as a hostage and it was clearly a rubber doll like it was <laughs> it wasn't even trying to be anything other than just a, a really badly drawn in tash on a on a mannequin <laughs> and dressed up in a in jumble sale clothes cool i got a few more super mario brothers movie another video game mm. adaptation oh is it or no it bob hoskins bob hoskins john Leguizamo. yeah it's looks fucking nothing like the video game, which I suppose is okay, but not to me. But why take why take a property that's so instantly yeah. recognizable and then change exactly. everything about it? It doesn't I mean, just do something else. Nah. And but what they have changed it to is a kind of budget, shitty looking blade runner kind of aesthetic. Mm. It's really shit. They really miss the mark on it and it just it's bollocks the film is bollocks but it looks fucking shit as well then we've got superman 4 our favorite whipping boy the quest for peace the budget was was getting slashed and by the time they got to number four they'd had to move production to milton Keynes. oh god and the movie does have that kind of milton Keynes look about it it's not not the most glamorous place in the world and it's not the best looking film either 
And staying with Superman, another one that I've mentioned before, it's the earthquake scene, which starts off really well. The scene where Lois Lane in the car gets trapped down Mm. the crevice. Yeah, it starts flying around the world. Yeah, That is terrifying. But then you get the dam going. And And it's clearly just a model. A a miniature little model thing with a splash going on. And in a film that won so many accolades for its effects at the time, this was still... This was shit for then, you know. It's just, I think they'd run out of money for this bit, or there was no other way to do it, maybe at that point. But yeah, it really took me out of the movie. And then, a really obvious, if you really want to go obvious, we go Plan Nine from Outer Space. But I've not actually seen it. All I've seen is is some clips. And this is a school project. This is like you know primary school cardboard cutout. Uh, that, I mean, the set is like literally wobbling as people yeah, walk around. People walk around. And, yeah, the graveyard yeah. scene in particular. I watched that on YouTube, and it is. Yeah, it's just flexing as people go around. I've also got every single old Godzilla movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, the old King Kong, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Any of, hammer, any of the any of the hammer. Anytime films. we make a list of bad films, Rocky Horror Picture Show goes in it. And Greece. <laughs> Let's just put Grease and Rocky Horror in. Yeah, Grease is pretty fucking ropey. (laughs) Let's will it down then. I'm going to go for The Room. I'm going to add in Mortal Kombat. Nice. I'm going to go with Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, because it's fucking lazy. I'm going with the Twilight Zone movie, because, you know, I think the bare minimum is that you don't kill your actors on set. (laughs) (laughs) Call me old-fashioned. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so our top four is The Room, Mortal Kombat, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and The Twilight Zone movie. And we're looking for suggestions for a fifth. Sidey, you chose uh, this week's main feature. I did. I chose uh, a Coen Brothers movie. It's The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, 2018 Netflix property. Yeah, that's I, what I was thinking. It did have a very limited theatrical release right Couple 14 cinemas i think it was yeah. in or something like that but yes it's, primarily just netflix this is a, an anthology or a series of vinaigrettes it's six <laughs> short films set in the post-civil war wild west sort of region i don't know why i'd put off watching this for so long because this is the one that i'd miss i i hadn't yeah me too and I, and I had you know I'd, I'd always it would always come up on netflix and i'd skip past it and i I think partly it's I've got this thing with the Coen Brothers that I, if you had to pin me down, they might be what I would say would be my favourite or certainly their body of work has got so many films that I absolutely love. Mm. I'm scared of watching one that I'm not going to like and slightly tainting their Well, Hail Caesar was that for me. I didn't particularly care for Hail Caesar or the Lady Killers. Yeah, Lady Killers is all shit. It's really shit. Um, But when they're good, they are probably some of the best in their craft really aren't they well yeah. i, I so, had seen this before okay and and then it was a little while back so revisited it for for the pod but a little bit later I'll, I'll tell you why i thought what i thought this is yeah six standalone sort of wild west stories and i tell you what i think might have actually put me off as well one of it is the poster for it has tim blake nelson is this kind of goofy looking cowboy and i think that kind of you know when i I like a western to be kind of hardcore you know like proper 
not not funny. Do you know what I mean? It's like more gritty for me. The Wild West story should be gritty and violent, and you know, like cowboys and Indians, that sort of thing. And so when I was, I was like, I don't know if I really want to watch a Karen's thing that has that quirky kind of comedy. I don't know. There's- Each of the stories is prefigured with the sight of the book, The Ballad yeah. of Buster Scruggs, isn't it? And a hand turns the page, yeah. and we see the story in print. And sometimes, and often, a picture of some dramatic incident that's going to happen in the following. Did you story. try and read the page before it went? Yes. Off yeah, the yeah, and I got yeah. a couple of good examples. One in particular. Okay. Do you want to do it now? Or do you want to wait till? No, when we get to that particular story. Okay. Yeah. So, like, like I was saying, the the opening shot is, I guess, it's Monument Valley or something like that of Buster Scruggs coming towards us on his horse, who's called Dan, and he's. He's singing a little song, and you're thinking he, he's he's not in your typical Wild West cowboy looking outfit. Is is in this immaculate kind of white, pristine press. Yeah, he looks more like he's sort of an entertainer as opposed to a you know a frontierman. It's almost a bit like in Back to the Future Three. Yeah, when um, exactly Marty that. McFly goes back as exactly Clint like Eastwood, that. and they're all laughing at his clothes. It, that, yeah. that's how he stood out. Mm. He tells us a little bit about himself. He's got this, he's got a wanted poster with his sort of image on it and tells us a bit of his history that gives you a bit of a flavour of what he's about, but he's still not really sure. The first uh, interaction he has with some people goes into a sort of saloon, asks for a whiskey, and the guy says, no, this is a dry state. There's no whiskey. And he looks over at this gang of absolute <laughs> outlaws and says, what are they drinking? Well, they're drinking whiskey, but they're outlaws. And anyway, there's a confrontation which ends up with Buster Scruggs killing just about everyone i think he leaves one man alive and says that's that's down to careless shooting on his part um as as he kind of it just strolls pulls out. himself out the on the floor trailing blood on there and, and everything that he says in his dialogue is is pure cone brothers it's, pure the way cone, it's, yeah. it's just this kind of it, it's very much like our brother we're out there actually it's yeah. that yes. that kind of that kind of dialogue which i loved for me this was the strongest well this is the one I, I think it was the right one to open with because it it was a it was sort of a lighthearted entry into the different stories. I love this one. I thought it was fucking great. Yeah, and it, it is almost like that for me as well. That there are six different stories, and I think that you're gonna enjoy them all differently. They're not all funny like this no. one was. This one, it was almost like a, a Looney Tunes cartoon yeah. or something. You With know, the dust, the, that, the dust that came the, off the, him. Yeah, and, yeah, you good. know, the, the wanted poster and, and just the, the slapstick kind of shooting yeah. thing that goes on. The, the the bit where he hits the guy with the table. Oh, well, that's it's just amazing. It is which, amazing. Which is just was he, he's the He's the, from Highlander. It was Clancy Brown. Yeah, it I would, thought it was the guy from Shawshank. Yeah, it was Clancy yeah. Brown right. and the guy from Shawshank. Yeah, and it, it, he sits down, doesn't he, at the, the table? He wants to play some cards, and he picks up the cards. To be fair, is, he did look at them. The guy was right. He looked at them. He played. Do, do you know why he didn't play them? Yeah, it was the dead man's hand. Dead man's yeah, hand. Yeah, aces over eight. Aces so, over eight. While Bill Hitchcock was said to have that hand <laughs> before he died. <laughs> Great film director. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he refuses to play the cards, doesn't he? That the but guys they were right. It's, like I said, he looked at the cards. You can't decide to play them, not to play them after you've looked at them. Yeah. So Joe stands and draws a pistol on him. It's supposed to be a, a, a saloon where there are no firearms, but Clancy Brown's got one. He tries to persuade him not to shoot him. And when he doesn't, he kicks a plank 
from the table three times into him and, and Joe, oh. I think his name was, ends yeah. up shooting himself three times in the face. Surly Joe is the song, Surly isn't it? Joe. And then he breaks into song about it and gets the whole bar singing along, which I just... And one of the things I loved up. about the song as well is you get a shot from inside the guitar. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. That reminded me out. of the bowling ball from Big, Big Lebowski. Lebowski. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Joe's brother turns up then at this mm. point after they've had a big sing-song about Joe's death. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and he challenges him to a gunfight. What's that called? Like a showdown? Duel. No, a duel. It's a Thank duel. You, challenges him to a duel in the streets, which he shows off in, mm. basically. Yeah. He shoots, he's got five bullets. Oh, and he, shoots he shoots the five his fingers. fingers of, oh, of his fuck. Hands. Oh, hell. Which, which... And then, and then says, you know, I can't be sure. So he turns his back, uses a mirror and starts going, well, you know, it's his right hand here. I'm looking in a mirror. It must be around about this, this oh. place. As he's struggling with his one good hand to reach across himself, pull yeah. out the gun and, and shoot Buster's drugs. Of course, he's not quick enough. And Buster nails him with the, the, the bullet that kills him. But sadly, all good things must come to an end. And I think it's just the kid, isn't he? Just called the kid. Mm, the right kid. Into town. There's always a faster. There's always a faster gun. I think he says, doesn't he? he? Says you can't stay top dog forever. Yeah. When he's when he's been off, but he, they have the standoff, and I thought the guy was a bit out of order because he says, "Is there going to be a count?" Yeah. And he says, "No." no and he just shoots him straight away. Well, that, but that's what he did in the it, in the other one. Isn't it, it? Is, so, his kind of overconfidence yeah. led to his demise there, and then they they it, sing a little duet on the way out. Don't and that, they? That song yeah. you get you get Tim Blake Nelson, Buster Scruggs ascending to heaven, mm. singing a song. Sorry, yeah, that song got nominated for an Academy Award. Did it? Well, when, I mean, when a cowboy typical, trades his spurs for wings. That that's it. right. Yeah. And typical Coen Brothers, the score is brilliant in this yeah. movie absolutely bang on great choices it's by a guy called carter burwell who i don't know maybe he's a frequent coen brothers Listen collaborator up. right and the next one is my favorite yeah. one is it this is my favorite one i thought this was brilliant with james near Al Gadon. the bank robber yeah james franco um is i think it's hilarious and if you notice the bank teller is another character from the Yes, who was that? I couldn't yeah. place him. He's, um, he plays in, what's the, no, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? He plays the radio DJ yes. who's blind and goes, yes. I played a song, I played a song, and all this sort of stuff. It's him. Yes. Uh, so yeah, James Franco goes to hold up a bank. In the middle of nowhere. And this it's, is a comedy. It's basically a yeah. barn. He yeah. looks really cool as well, he does, doesn't he? He does, he does. When he jumps over the the sort of the part that separates the public from the bank tellers. He looks like a comic book hero. Yeah. The yeah, way he comes down with his duster kind of, kind of floating up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super, it's super cool, isn't it? Because <laughs> he's, he's suddenly this, this bespectacle banker is actually a bit of a, well, he's seen it. He's been there. He's done it. And he, yeah, he's, he's, he's ready. He's ready for anybody. He's got guns set up the other side, which, uh, that was a cool uh, setup, wasn't it? The three yeah. shotguns just at like at knee level, knee yeah. <laughs> which uh, Franco dodges just by luck. But but um, then um, he legs it out to hide behind a well. Well, and then the bank teller charges him in a suit made out of sauce pans. What does he say? Pan no, shot yeah, every pan time shot. he shoots. Yeah, then no, no, there was something at the start <laughs> which I I when you as. I, I've skipped over this part, but at the start and in between each of the uh, vignettes, 
as Reek said, there's a short piece where they do a book turn and they turn the page and introduce the story. And when it, they were turning this one, you could hear the sound of something. And I just said to my wife at the time, I bet this one's about someone getting hung because you can hear a rope. All and, right. Yeah, and you can hear that. And I thought, but when it cut to the scene, I thought it was actually the rope of the bucket in the well. And I was like, oh, that's going to be, oh, that's what that means. That's what that means. But I wonder if there was this double meaning of it. Because oh, obviously, without a doubt, yeah, with Cohen's. Yeah. Because with the, Point- as this progresses, Pan Attack obviously succeeds and James Franco is knocked unconscious and awakens on the uh, astride a horse with a noose around his neck yes. with, uh, with a posse in front of him. Of I says, what are they, deputies, marshals? And the lead guy is a British actor who have seen him in Yeah, he, he, he was um, Finchie from, Finchie, from yeah. The Office. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, Point yeah. of fact, it's hanged, not hung. Yes. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> they have an argument. He asks for his horse, doesn't he? And he says he won't give it to him. <laughs> it just yeah. seems a bit churlish. Yeah. So, but he, it looks like the Franco's end. race is run. It looks like he's about to die. And then suddenly a bunch of Native American... Comanche, weren't they? The Comanche, Comanche warriors, yes. Come in and just kind of brutally kill everyone really quickly. At this point, Franco is still astride the horse, which is kind of trying to edge away a millimetre at a time, to get hanging grass. him really slowly as it eats some grass. He's just kind of, you know, trying to pull the horse back with his ankles and, yeah. and, and sit on it because he's right at the very maximum that he can stretch his neck without him. If that horse walks off, then he's, Done he's a goner. But he's eventually set free worst possible way that guy yes. holds still and he shoots it doesn't even get near he's just firing some takes like, about four shots doesn't it yeah while he's swinging from the rope yeah so like the- are they referencing good the bad and the ugly with clint uh, yeah of course they were yeah of course yeah. they were but it turns out that this is uh yet another sort of subterfuge and he does end up captured again taken into town and ordered to be hung hanged again <laughs> Then you get this amazing joke. It's yeah. the best one, isn't it? It's I was howling with laughter. So there's what there's like three or four of them all ready to be hanged. Yes, and as the crowd of people are watching them as they do, there's a there's a pretty girl just looking at Franco, and and one guy next to him is absolutely in pieces. He's yes. signed himself, and as as the executioner goes along the line and starts putting a hood on. The different prisoners. He just, he just stands there and goes first time. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's just such a because obviously that's the second time that day he's he's had the, the noose on him and the guy just look, gives him the most kind of weird look. And like, you know, the you know, if it's a longer film, you're expecting him to make it out of this. But yes, that's it. but that's but it. he doesn't. And it was at this point I realised. I think that all of the episodes or all of the parts were going to heavily feature death as part of the storyline. And it, it makes sense because the Wild West was a place, you know, these were very different times. Yeah, the the, frontier. Death was the frontier, Lawless. these brave people. The, the, um, death was much more a part of life than it is these days, you know, and lots of people would have had to have, you know, a- a- anywhere you went, you could have been killed by something or someone rather like the world at the moment <laughs> hmm. but the next one 
I Definitely like this one. Lighter on the lols, this one, the meal ticket. Dudley Dursley. Uh, this was, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. This was Liam Neeson and his travelling sort of... Quadriplegic. Guess, guess we could say kind of, well, it's not quad- kind of a freak It's show. not quadriplegic, though. So I don't know what the term is for somebody that is in the state that the main... It's no, no arms, arms and no, no, no legs. No legs. Now, so based on the context of this short story, they have the character, the chap who played Dudley Dursley, play the... Play this circus. It's called artist. Artist. Play this artist who has no arms and no legs, and it's somehow it's he's either bound in terms of how it was made. He's either bound or it's CGI'd, obviously. And what I would say is this is an example of what Adam Pearson, guest of the pod, mentioned, which is artists with disabilities are getting overlooked. Now, Mm. this isn't a discredit to the chap that plays the artist because he is brilliant in this vignette. Harry Melling. But it would why not have somebody mm. with those real life problems playing this out? Now that that's that's devil's advocate question, but this is what Adam has raised significantly on social media quite yeah. a lot of equal opportunities and why roles like this, which are effectively Well a, cu- a couple of weeks ago we talked about the problem of casting for ethnic minorities and this mm. is the same spin on it and adam is is clearly quite vocal about this and why why wouldn't he be because you don't see it given the same airtime that people with disabilities should also have representation in the movies yeah yeah no it's a fair point yeah mm-hmm. but this is a particularly so, dark this is called meal ticket and this is yeah a this one was, this one is dark they they travel around mm. town to town um, in a wagon and the artist recites to some performance the from Gettysburg Address. Yeah, he does a few different ones. Ozymandias, yeah, the uh, Tempest. And, and as we as we get to more sort of remote locations, the audience numbers dwindle. I mean, there weren't vast numbers of people going to watch anyway, and so clearly they're not making a lot of money. I was saying, so Liam Neeson's the the guy who owns He's the, the show and, and would show the hat yeah. around and everything to to get the money. Eventually, they go to a place that has a performing chicken. <laughs> oh, that's amazing, that chicken. Yeah. It does it mathematics. Do, uh, mm-hmm. It could do mental arithmetic, uh, which is drawing a huge crowd, and everyone's amazed by this. So Liam Neeson... He buys it. Yeah. But that gives him a dilemma. How How is he going to proceed with his show? Is he gonna, Is he going to carry on with the artist, or is he just going to use the chicken, or is he going to integrate them? Well, then we see him at a bridge throwing a rock uh, into the water to see and the artist is watching the artist is watching him do and he's it, looking at this yeah how deep it is or i i i guess he was testing to see if it was deep enough to drown him yeah, yeah. or just or just whether he'd die on that i don't know because either would work and the, the, the sort of clothing the closing shot is the the wagon on the way, the interior of the wagon, and the artist is not... He's not well, he's, present. He's not inside. This one felt a bit like a sort of Western-themed Black Mirror episode to me yeah, because yeah. it was... There weren't many lines in it. There was a lot of repeated dialogue. Well, it was depressing spoke. and there was tragic, fucked-up oh, ending. Yeah. Everything about yeah. it was like... It, and they never spoke to each other. No. You know, he, no. he never kind of had any conversation between... But he was shown um, feeding him and stuff, wasn't yeah. he? And go but, for a piss. Well, he had to keep him alive. Go for a piss. Na- name and- of the title, meal, meal Ticket. You yeah. know, yeah. It, basically that's what it was. It was... And then, and then the, it was... Until you stopped becoming that. 
and then I traded you in for a chicken. He was put on his back and taken to a whorehouse and all this stuff. Oh, that was awful. Fucking Fucking hell. But they sort of turned him round at least so he didn't have to watch. (laughs) The next one, I think, was possibly my favourite. This this one I really enjoyed. So Tom Waits. Yeah, it was Tom Waits. (laughs) Who I I thought was Nick Nolte at first. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he did have that look about him. And it's a pretty... Well, not pretty. It's a very straightforward story, this one. I think this is one of the only ones that wasn't written by the Coen brothers themselves as well. This story was based on a Jack Landon short story. It's so gritty. It's so the drudgery of being a goal prospector and how how gnarly he was and how bare his life was and his focus was just solitary gold panning. And it was like... Oh, that's, that was, it's that was the deal, hard, though. You know, there's, yeah, there's gold in them there, Yeah, oh, that's what they did. And, and the, 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 the sort of the, 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 the planning that went into his mind to find this pocket. And when he'd find five little pieces, five, blow it away, three, I'll go back to the five spot. And it's just a process of elimination. Oh, the, the way where... Yeah, how he, how he worked out where that gold was. He, he knew there was... Gold in them Narhills and <laughs> went looking for it. It was it was the beginning of the shot. I think there's butterflies and fish and there's yeah, there's like a that. really you know, bad you know. CGI deer as well. Yes, <laughs> I loved it though the way they all just disappeared when man entered the scene and yeah, and then at the, at the end just all came back. But essentially, this this story you can you can sum it up to: old man finds gold, is double crossed, kills kills the other man. <laughs> And leaves. Yeah, I mean, but it was, you, it was you could do, but there, there's more to it than that. Oh, it was. It, I, lo- I loved it. Well, yeah, I, I really liked it. And one of the things I, when he climbed up to get the eggs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The owl. <laughs> for the owl. And I, I don't know whether I, I'd read online that somebody had kind of connected that line with the previous story about <laughs> how can a bird count? you know oh okay yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, it, yeah and it's course, not yeah, it, yeah. it's not the only one as well two that i noticed are is at the beginning when buster scruggs is in the card game there's a line about you can join if you play his hand and at the end in the last one the it pretty much ends with no man can play another man's hand and then in all gold canyon which is the one we're talking about now the gold is in mr pocket and in the gal who got rattled, which is the episode that follows this, all the money was in the brother's pocket. So, and I bet there are countless ones within the stories that link yeah. them that way. I got bored now from now on. You're well, after kidding this one, me. or dur- during this one? After this one, the ne- the last two, the girl that got rattled and the mortal remains. I was bored. The mortal remains. I must admit, I I'd run out of steam by yeah, then. Yeah, I really did. I was gutted. I was like, but I loved it. I loved the gallery. I think the beauty of these is that you could just watch yeah, them you in could pause it. Minutes. You could pause yeah. it and, and go right because yeah. it were what 15, 20 minutes. There weren't maybe much I should have done that. that. Maybe I should have done that. I was. I think. I was well, I think a bit tired as well. The Cohen brothers with their sort of crazy characters and their very stylized scenes are actually perfect for an anthology. <laughs> I never would have thought it before, but. Their style works really well with this kind of movie. Oh, yeah, the the All Gold Canyon though was just brilliant, and the scenery throughout this movie, yeah, particularly Stunning. in this one, but throughout the movie is just absolutely beautiful. Going going back to what I was saying at the the top of of this was I'd seen this before. Uh, a little while back and I remembered these four and the last two actually I 
I didn't remember. But those first four had stuck with me. I, I think, you know, and still they were my favourite four. You know, mm, yeah, the, 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 the next two. But the on revisiting this this next one, which is the rattled the the gal Didn't you rattled. Just? I, I I on second viewing, I enjoyed it more than probably I remember viewing it the first time because it was just such a a crazy ending. It was oh, just such a kick in the teeth. Tragic, <laughs> I mean, this one. Yeah, it really was. So and Alice I, and her brother Gilbert going towards. They're, they're new frontier people, aren't they? They're going yeah. to where was it? Or, uh, Oregon was it? Yes. Yeah, 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 it was. Yeah, it was. Um, with a sort of business deal set up to marry away the sister Alice from Gilbert's new business partner. Partner. He gets cholera, I think it is. Yeah. Dies on route. Pretty uh, much as soon as they leave. It was pretty much as soon as they it, leave. Yeah. yeah. And Mister Knapp and Mister Arthur are the people who sort of end up looking after Alice, who's now on this huge journey, not really knowing where she's going or what's meeting her. Her brother's dead. Been She's been promised to a man she's never met. And yeah. if he likes her and she likes him, then they were going to get married. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't great for her so far. And she's got this yappy little dog, Present, yeah. which, which seems to be the... the, the it's getting on everyone's nerves, isn't it? Death, really. Whoever yeah. owns the dog is... is on their yeah. way out. Oh, I didn't think about that, but yeah, that makes sense. The brother is buried. Then after riding about a day and a half, she realizes that he had all the money on him when he was buried. In the pocket. In the pocket. Billy Knapp is um, starting to take a bit of a shine. I thought he looked a bit like you. I don't know who the actor was, Dan, but I thought Billy Knapp looked a, a bit like you. Be a bit of a Keanu Dan Craven yeah. crossover. <laughs> He takes a shine to Alice and it sets up this sort of very practical, but in its own way, quite romantic moment where he essentially yeah. is sort of making a play for her based on the idea that he's knocking on a bit and she hasn't got Raise anything better. But there is a sort of mutual attraction and respect there. Oh, as you say, as the brother said, when she's got a mind too, she's, she can be quite attractive and yeah. quite sociable. <laughs> I had to look up what the hell her religion was. She's an Escap- Episcopalian. Which I thought was someone who ate fish. Yeah. Turns out it's a Catholic who doesn't believe in the Pope or something. Does the Pope shit in the woods? Anyway, <laughs> Mr. Arthur then notices that she's missing from the wagon train. And he goes, sets out to find her. I think she's quite a long way away from the rest yeah. of the train. She's taken a horse and she's gone off to find... President Pierce, who was nearly shot earlier in the movie, and as it turns out, probably should have been. She's laughing because there are, what are they, gophers? Prairie dogs. What is that, though? That's not a real animal, is it? A prairie. Like a, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, prairie like dogs. Meerkat. She's laughing at a sort of meerkat prairie dog thing, and then a whole bunch of Native American Indians. What are you, what, how are you supposed to say that? Native Americans. What's the correct I think in cowboy, nomenclature? Cowboys tell you, you can just say engines. Engines turn up and Mr. Arthur basically settles down to have a fight with them. He takes the saddles off and yeah. sets himself up to and start. Ties the horse Things up aren't looking running. good. He gives her a pistol and says, if I get taken, this you shoot yourself. You need don't, to, let, you, don't let them take don't let you them alive. Take no. 
But they're a bit crap, really. They charge him a few times. He shoots a few of them. Yeah. Their horses keep falling down the prairie dog holes. Breaking oh, legs. Yeah. And then he, you know, he shoots them. And then you get this amazing one of this sort of horse looks like it's just sort of aimlessly wandering around by itself. But it turns out it's got an engine on it who throws himself at Mr. Arthur. But Mr. Arthur does, in fact, kill the guy, although Alice assumes that he didn't. So there's a single gunshot at this point, and it was difficult to work out what happened. It means, well, it means it's revealed then that Alice shot herself as she'd been told to do so because she thought Arthur was going to be killed. Mm. So he must have shot the Indian and she must have shot herself at exactly the same time because there's only a single gunshot. Yeah. So bleak. (laughs) So it bleak. is, it is so because bleak. you just feel for for Billy, don't you? Who's who's finally made this commitment to settle down, and he's he's found this connection, and the stars seem to have aligned, and then you realise, no, you're just gonna die on the trail, aren't you? It's the dog, and, and this is the one where the scene ends with the shot, the establishing shot at the beginning of the mm. thing with the with the movie, with the picture of the dog and Mr. Arthur overlooking a valley, and it's it's sumptuously shot but then when she turns when he turned when the hand turns the page in the book i just caught the last line that said arthur had no idea what to say to nap and you're like oh my god yeah he's still got this part of the plot to resolve it's all going to happen off screen but yeah he's got to go back and tell mr nap that alice has shot herself yeah yeah Uh, i'd probably (laughs) i don't know president pierce what a name (laughs) having just watched bone tomahawk Shooting yourself, definitely preferable. Yes. Right. 100%. Yeah. Um, but you might want to just wait a, a, a few seconds longer. <laughs> just be absolutely <laughs> sure. Yeah. Just, 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 just dot the T's. Yeah. Uh, let me move on to the final one, which, like I said before, I'd actually run out of steam. I think I should have, and I probably will actually go back and watch this last one again because I found this one a bit throwaway at the end, but maybe I just missed I just was, yeah, I was just out of it. I think this point. one was probably the most symbolic. Of course it was, yeah. You know, be, being the, mortal the last remains. one. Yeah, and the the three, or, you know, the, the different characters all have completely different ways of, of looking at life and the way that they approach it. You've got the stagecoach riders, you know, potentially the, the reapers or the, you know, the, the what do they call them, the, the river man. That kind That's of, it, yeah. river of sticks. Because he says a few times, stop the coach. And he goes, no, it'll never stop. It'll, it'll, it will never stop the coach. Yeah. You've got a few different people giving their different takes on life. So you get a trapper, and I can't remember who played him, but he's a character actor you've seen in loads Brendan of Brendan Gleeson? No. No, no, um, no. Saul Rubinek? I don't know. Saul Rubinek was the French guy. It was the other one, the one in the... John Joe O'Neill? Well, maybe that's his. Maybe I never knew that guy's name actually. But <laughs> no, he's, he's been in loads of stuff, loads and loads of stuff. He, the trapper was was actually sorry. Just looking at it, the, the trapper was Chelsea Ross. Chelsea Ross. Okay, he he basically says that everything, all people are are the same, effectively, just like the animals that he traps. And he's contradicted by the lady sitting next to him, who looked a little bit like she's from Dempsey and Makepeace, Judy Dench, but wasn't Time Daly. Time daily, okay. She says there's only two kinds of people, the upright and the sinners. 
And she knows this because she's going to meet her husband who's been in, ill for three years or something like that. He's a lecturer. Then you get Saul Rubinek as René, who says it's much more complicated than you two are saying, and then offends her by basically saying your husband didn't love you, essentially, or doesn't love you the same way that you love him, and that she he may have been shagging around on her while she was yeah. alive, which she doesn't like. Then you get this really sort of haunting bit where the curly moustached Thigpen, I think his name was, is telling this... He's he's basically speaking to us as the audience. He even says it. He says, oh, we like to see the stories as long as it's... We like to see the stories that remind us of us as long as it isn't us. And then Brendan Gleeson sings a beautiful song. Yeah, what did I say there? Glendon Breeson. Glendon Breeson. Is he his brother? Um... They reveal themselves to be reapers or bounty hunters. And there's a lot of talk of negotiating passages. And, you know, it's pretty clear that these guys are are effectively taking the people on board from life to death. Yeah, the luggage doesn't come with them. No. They stop off at a hotel. Everything gets unloaded and they sort of look quite scared as they walk through the door. I mean, it's the most obvious one. As we've seen, all of these stories are about death, but this is the most obvious one about passing symbolically from from life to death. Yeah, I definitely um, need to watch it again because I, I just... Well, nothing gets unloaded. Yeah, it's truck. a lot to take in because they're so different and you it's almost... You're straight into the next one before you've had yeah. time to really and, and the tone. It does lead from each other, but they are all wildly different. I mean, it couldn't be more different, for instance, if you think about the two vignettes that bookend this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got the real comedy, and then the last one is very poetic. And the way that it's shot and lit, you know, the way that the light fades and changes from blue to black and all those sorts of things, just, yeah. I I could have watched a much longer one on Buster Scruggs. I I think that had another kind of arrow in it, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. You know, all those fucking wankers on the internet that do the, like, release the the Snyder Cut, the hashtags like that, and there's one for Suicide Squad, release the Aya Cut. Well, I started started the release the Buster Scruggs Cut. I just want... I want a full movie of Buster Scruggs. He was just... He was the man. He he was brilliant, I think he might great over a full movie's running time. Nah, not with the Karen's writing. Mm, maybe not. Yeah, um, there is a connection like with this movie and Die Hard, Predator, and Commando. Yeah. Got it? No. Yeah, yeah, I, I have, to, but I think we're going to have to tell everyone else, Sidey. The bank clerk says that his clients are from a town called Valverde. Oh, uh, Valverde, which, yeah. That's the fictional <laughs> town. In, that's it's amazing. a fictional Hollywood town that they yeah. use, uh, and it's been used in those other movies and all. It's definitely in Commando, yeah. This is fucking brilliant, this movie. <laughs> I have to say it's beautiful and it's poetic and it's funny and tragic and it's very well made. It's quite disturbing. It switches from beautiful vistas to grisly violence almost in a single, you know, scene. It's a sort of old school Western, but it's... It's a sort of 
reflection of the the genre, but not not satirizing it. It reminded me of the sort of when I used to go to my grandma's. There were some books that my cousins had left there, some old like cowboys and Indians type books, yeah. like comics more than anything, sort of like Dan Dare and the but that sort of era type thing and it reminded me very much of the types of stories that were in that comic book and i thought- I, I just like the kind of the miserable you know whimsical enough not to be dour but also just talking about how bad stuff happens to bad to good people and good stuff happens to bad people and you can't explain it and the universe is uncaring and which is a long-running theme for the coins this was amazing yeah i would normally talk about budget and box office stuff but because this is essentially a a netflix kind of thing you don't have that Uh, i know there was a very limited cinematic release but you don't get enough meaningful data out of that so really i have to skip that for this week right overall then dan were you not entertained yeah i was overall (laughs) no but you can expand on it (laughs) right then i would say i was entertained i i missed some of the 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 kind of wit and the the dark humor from the first going into the last if, if you know it was it was a different kind of humor there it was it was more it was you know poignant at the end and and it was kind of a little bit i i missed buster and i missed franco and i missed you know the the even mr pocket where there was a bit of humor with it within some of those stories the last two less so and i think they they kind of made me you know, feel it was a bit of a drag and maybe that was the last, I say, I watched it the first time and I, I really remembered and enjoyed the first four and I, I kind of forgot about the last two. I may do this again. The last, They grow on me and there's always something to see though with Coen Brothers and I think watching it a second time, I picked up more um, than I would have. And the beauty of this, of course, is you can just take it in chunks. Yeah. You can just go... Boom, there's 15 minutes, you know, if, if and that's it, you can leave it alone, you're not going to miss anything. So, yeah, recommended, definitely a one to go and watch. Harry? I didn't think it was outstanding. I'd give it four out of six because I just didn't like the last two at all. Four, four out, out of six? six. <laughs> yeah. Four out of six, whatever it is. The episode, six episodes, <laughs> isn't it? Isn't there? Oh, right. Oh, I okay, thought you yeah, meant yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the score you were giving me. <laughs> I give it three and a half out of four and three quarters. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> um, I just felt, I thought it was going to be a bit more, oh, brother, where art thou, based on the first one? Because I thought it was going to be more song. I thought, oh, actually, quite cool. I don't mind this. And then when I got to that, the fifth and sixth ones, I, I struggled I, in the same two. Yeah, I thought the Mortal Remains was a bit of a vanity project. I felt it was over elaborate and on a very basic premise that you could tell from the start. I, I, I really, really enjoyed the first four. I really enjoyed them. And then when it sort of started going down a bit with the old President Pierce story line one, and then the Mortal Remains, I was a bit gutted. It was. Oh, this is clearly death. Oh, they're all fucking stupid. Why haven't they I, got I it? I think that's the weakest one yeah. for me. But the the President Pierce one actually has grown on me the second time. Okay. I think that was my second favourite one. Mm, right. I, 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 I can't fault the first four. I thought they were beautifully shot, especially mm. the one, the the gold prospector. Mr. Packet. And the humour in the James Franco bank robbery one was brilliant. And and I thought that was that for me was how I see Cohen films, and the last yeah. two I got lost, and 
that's just me. But yeah, I gave it a strong four out of six. Briggs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, this just, I really liked this. It it looked stunning. The thematically, it's right up my street. I loved all of the different stories. The acting's superb. It's beautifully written. It's sort of miserable and funny and poetic. Yeah, great. Loved it. Absolutely. Eight, 12. Yeah, no, this was like 13 out of 13. <laughs> nice. I really enjoyed it too, although, like I said, I did run out of steam a little bit at the end, but I'm going to go back and rewatch the final chapter. But I have already rewatched Buster Scruggs' episode again, much to my missus' uh, <laughs> disappointment that I keep enforcing it on her. But yeah, typical kind of Cohen's humour interspersed with some incredibly dark and bleak moments. Something there for everyone. I really love this. I'd recommend anyone. That's two, two Westerns to recommend this week. Yeehaw. Bring back the Westerns. So, Sidey, this week's kid choice. (laughs) Yeah, I got a feeling that this isn't going to be universally loved, but it's a classic of kids' entertainment. Well, family entertainment, I'd say. It's Doctor Who. Um, And I went for the most recent one, which was the, I think, New Year's special, as opposed to the Christmas special, because it came out on the 1st of January. It's the revolution of the Daleks. Have any of you been doctor who watches so for me and my entire family this program gets the award for zero context award never seen it have no idea what's going on all the characters mean nothing i have heard of daleks i have heard of doctor who i've okay. never watched any doctor who stuff ever i can't believe yeah. that yeah, I find it, was, it was always stuff that came on yeah. and it was just an instant switch off yeah, for me. Really? really yeah as a kid i just never got it it was just ridiculous it was like <laughs> darling it's like a bin you, you, you just uh, i mean talking about cheap sets yeah it didn't is... come much cheaper than than doctor oh, Who, did it's it? a dustbin with a dustbin with a bog, yeah. with a bog and, brush and the doctor and even the the big hype i remember oh you know you'd hear it oh doctor who's back and it just mm. used to bore this uh, doctor who's a woman now doctor who's a woman well, now i, I, I did yes yeah, was like, like, who cares I, I did watch it as a kid i remember sylvester mccoy peter Davidson. i was gonna Colin say that was, that was the one yeah to- sylvester mccoy series one i remember from and then again, Probably. I did pick it up a bit again a bit later. So I did enjoy the Eccleston series, the Tennant and Matt Smith, especially the Karen Gillian oh, we never stuff. Watched, we didn't watch the BBC. Yeah. My family declared it a socialist uh, area. We don't <laughs> go near that. Yeah, and uh, Sidey, <laughs> you said last week on the pod that you weren't allowed to watch ITV. What was no, that No, ITV was banned. My dad just thought it was shit, so we never watched it. <laughs> didn't like it. Amazing. <laughs> but I wouldn't say I am a full Who trekker. I, I'm not invested in the law. I can't really remember all the various twists and turns of stuff, but I, I have enjoyed it over the years, but it's been a long time since I saw it. So dropping us in on the season finale of a doctor I haven't seen at all. Yeah. yeah. I think, is this season two of Jodie Whisker? wasn't it? No, but of Jodie Whisker, it's her second series, and it's the first one I've seen of her. A Northern mm. Doctor. I think, because there's a, quite a big export um, market for Doctor Who. Is in it? It plays well, another because it's this quirky British, British thing. thing. So they like to people like to, I suppose Yanks like to look at it and see what we're up to. But her accent has been quite problematic. I think people can't oh, really? understand the fucking. Oh, I, 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 I didn't mind, but uh, 
when did Daleks first, or when did Doctor Who and all that first come come out? I was say 50s. 50s, 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 60s. They haven't changed, have they? I mean, they've still got the same special effects. It's well, these ones. Well, I don't remember them being able to teleport. Yeah. So the plot of this, shall we just shall we just quickly? It's the same as I remember. Apart, they couldn't go downstairs. That was the only thing. Fly in this one. So effectively, the. I think what's happened where we've picked it up from, there's been a Dalek reconnaissance droid has arrived on Earth and been destroyed, effectively. Yeah. And that has then been taken away. And some genius has come up with the idea of cloning from some of the organ- organic material. He's now cloned the the, the creature inside the, the Dalek machine, you know. That was alien- Mr. Big from... Yeah. Sex in the city. city. Yeah. Well, he, he, he plays a big business kind of entrepreneur, doesn't he? Who's decided to Mike get Ashley. With government. American Mike Ashley. <laughs> yeah. That's American what they Mike actually Ashley. call him that. Don't yeah. That's amazing. And so he's kind of got in with politics and biz, big business to, to make these technological advancements. And he's got a minister who's, who's in on the, the plot to ensure that both he makes a load of money, she yeah. makes a load of money, and... That was Harriet Walker from Killing Eve. Who'd have way, thought politicians were nefarious? Who'd have thought? Yeah. So they're going to co-opt the Dalek machine and use them as, like, security droid, kind of Ed 9 type. Yeah, because yeah, they've got which, portable water cannons and they make a loud noise and stuff. But having Earth, you know, has a history of trouble with Daleks, to use these in that way seems... Like a pretty bad idea. Well, but they, you can hand wave everything away is because there was like, there was a big retcon not that long ago, wasn't there? That sort of wiped the minds of everybody on earth. That was when I was watching the big crack or the bad wolf or whatever it was. Big bad crack wolf. Something like Um, that. (laughs) So surprise, surprise, cloned aliens end up back in the Dalek machines and there's big fight and some stuff happens and the doctor does some stuff. She um, was in a prison and she had yeah, to be broken out of the prison by... He just figured plastic surgery victory. John Barrowman. Yeah. John Barrowman, yeah. They're, they're, it was nice in that bit because it actually had a callback to one of my favourite things in Doctor Who, which was the Weeping Angel statues, if anyone remembers them. No, well, you two won't because you've never seen it. I, I do. Do you remember the Weeping I, Angels? That was my, one of my favourite ever episodes of Doctor Who. I've got a quiz for you later about Doctor Who characters. Yeah. Um, I can't wait. We'll do well. If you, if, <laughs> Spoiler if alert. You think that's, if you think that's nerdy, Spell I have got who. a Doctor Who chess set. Oh, um, nice. Which yeah, it is nice. I tell you what, it fucking is nice. And it's also pretty valuable. <laughs> I, when my, my, so my parents are moving house and it was sitting in a box in their gaff. So I thought I'll claim it back and, and, and just put it in a box in this house. And as I was going through the different pieces, I I had a look on eBay and some of the individual, they're like metal pewter kind of things. Mm. They're about 80, 90 quid a piece like to replace Ooh. them, to get them. So there's a fair whack of stuff going on there. In any case. Really there's a kind drill- of civil war, isn't there, between the Daleks, between these sort of newer Daleks. That the, are impure. The, the impure. Well, there's an ones. ethnic cleansing, effectively. Yeah. And the Daleks go absolutely fucking mental. There's an on-screen... I mean, there are countless people massacred by the Daleks when they really go, you know. 
I think if 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 I watched something, if I'd watched this with my daughter, she would have fucking freaked. I think. Yeah. Well, it's quite yeah. scary. Yeah, yeah my kids, re- kids, my kids really enjoyed it. Right. <laughs> really enjoyed it. They and they'd never seen Doc Two before, and they thought it was really cool. They laughed. They even liked the bit with, that was the complete alien rip off. They liked the. Dark. There was no hint of being scared. No, not genuinely. Oh, mate! When I saw no, the Daleks for the first time as a kid, I was fucking terrified. Yeah, and agreed. When they, and the and when they men. scream in this one, ex, you know the fucking catchphrase. I was still a bit like exterminate. It's yeah, pretty it fucking. It brings it all back. I was like cowering behind the yeah. sofa. Well, no, because they were watching it and they were saying things like, "Well, Magnus first of all said without prompting." Well, if they can't go up and down stairs, so you just you can run away from them easily anyway. And I said, "Oh look, but they've got no." They can fly on. now. They can fly, and he was like, "Well, why don't they just bomb them?" And I was like, "You're quite dystopian, aren't you, Magnus? Really?" But Cara, but Cara really liked always... it. She saw it as like a, a detect, like what it is, kind of thing, which is a yeah. bit of a detective type thing. And she she yeah. thought, oh, "That's all right. I don't mind it." The only problem was, are all the episodes this long? No. All right. Okay. Are they more well, but they're not much shorter, though, are they? I mean, they're nearly an hour, most of the episodes, I think. 45 this minutes This was 71 hour. minutes. Yeah. yeah, we had a big, long discussion about it. I think the Daleks are terrifying, not quite as terrifying as Bradley Walsh's performance in this, because that <laughs> was something else. Yeah, it was something else. I thought he was the the one shining star in this. Oh, fuck. I thought he was all right. I thought Get he was out of Yeah, town. I did. I genuinely thought Bradley Walsh was yeah. fine. I didn't know. No, was he... I'm not having any words yeah. against Bradley. And I'll tell you for why. He's not West Ham, is he? He is West Ham. Oh, there you saw go. the scarf right at the end as he's as he's on the, on the thing. That he kind was, of saved He was he teaching was him shocking. to ride a bike, which was... He stacked yeah. it. We've watched a film for the podcast that had that exact scene. Doctor Who's always done this, like repackaged popular culture. When I used to watch it back with the Karen Gillian days, it was always doing stuff that was like Matrix, either the way it looked or some bit out of it. And this had the music cues were all Rise of the Skywalker. I don't know, like Kylo Ren's theme, which is total ripoff. It's always done that, Doctor Who. But the end scene where he's teaching an adult to ride a bike on the... We've watched a film for podcasts that had that scene in it, and I can't remember what it was. Not the full Monty, was it? I'm sure that's the same hill. Is it? Maybe. It was in Sheffield, wasn't it? So Yeah. So was he the guy's granddad or something? Well, who fucking knows? I mean, we haven't no, watched any of that it, was his, That was his dad, and he had the, the, the wife come on right at the end, no? No, uh, no. She... who was Bradley Walsh? Was he a granddad or something? That's what I'm asking. Well, but he... whose granddad? Because the, the kid he was pushing down the hill. I thought that was his dad. I, I mean, I don't want to point... Yeah. No, but... No. Yeah, okay, so... But no, but, I, that's that's what I, he said. Um, you don't want to see my grandson. So what the fuck's going on with this stupid fucking episode? I don't know where well, I am. Hell, yeah, it, it's it, got it, time travel, isn't it? it she, like the it doctor was, was imprisoned, and she'd been in prison for ten months. No, no, nineteen fucking, years or something. Yeah, because you saw all the marks on the wall, and she said, and for them, they'd only been missing her for ten months. Yeah, I they, thought right. they were remarkably shitty about that because she they were yeah, like, they were oh, you've abandoned us for ten months. And she's a bit like, yeah, well, I've been in prison for 19 years, so get over yourself. Yeah. There's been a lot of negative reaction to having a female doctor for the first time. I don't know why, because people on the internet are fucking twats. So she has, she has jacked it in, and the next series will be her last. What, but what, but, but they, they only ever do two or three series anyway. Yeah, they, they do. Because I think there's a lot of, you know, all the publicity and all that bullshit. But what was um, the main complaint? I mean, there's absolutely no reason girl. why fictional genderless Time Lord couldn't be a... Who regenerates yeah. into a completely different person couldn't be a woman. 
she didn't make it any less enjoyable for me, to be honest. I thought she was <laughs> she was pretty good. To be honest, I was surprised. Dalek DNA, I thought that was kind of a nice touch. The fact that... And I, I'm going back to, to my vision of Daleks as a kid. You know, can't go downstairs. It was... I probably watched one or two episodes when there was nothing else on. And I really just didn't ever get into it. But politics and business big business, technological advances and a police state where machines take more control over the way that society works and things. I thought they were quite interesting themes. You yeah, know? I thought absolutely. It was, it was something that, that surprised me. And you can imagine it is, you know, a, a future that we will get more and more used to, that machines will be doing more things around security and, th- and the like. I'm not saying Daleks are coming in. But I was, <laughs> I was, I was on the kind of fence. I wasn't sure. I watched this in two parts because it was seventy odd minutes long. And when I thought, "Oh, kids' TV," I'm, I'm geared up for like twenty minutes of TV. And then when you find out it's seventy, you're like, "Oh, for flip's sake!" It's right. I'm gonna. It's watch okay. It. You can swear if you want to, Dan. You can. It's fine. Well, you know, sometimes I'll throw in a flip. Sometimes I'll throw in a fuck. You know, it's. <laughs> <laughs> But I I was more enjoying this than I thought that I would. And certainly, given my state of mind going into this 70-odd minutes long, <laughs> preparing myself for the absolute worst, it wasn't that bad. It did have all those cheap special effects, the... The everything from the Rays guns to the to the Daleks themselves, but it was the big themes I thought held it together quite well, and that West Ham scarf from uh, <laughs> which which may have just saved uh, what a sour note, <laughs> Doctor Who has been a, a classic family entertainment show for a long, long time not without its share of controversies through the years. Mm. During Peter Capaldi's reign, he learned a horrifying, in inverted commas, fact about what happens to people after they die. The human body retains some form of physical connection to its body even after death. The episode specifically noted the departed could feel their bodies burning during cremation. This led to uh, a lot of complaints and people who had probably recently had people mm. cremated, not really enjoying that that idea. During David Tennant's reign, <laughs> I love this one, it's fucking brilliant, a character was resurrected in a rather grotesque way. The episode's called Love and Monsters, if you want to check it out. The character Ursula was brought back to life, albeit just her head fused into a concrete pavement slab. It's revealed that another character on the adventure, Elton, is having a relationship with Ursula. Just the Elton, head. Yeah, in a pavement slab. <laughs> Elton discusses the struggles of their relationship as opposed to a normal one, but did make a point of mentioning that they have a love life. <laughs> so it didn't take long for viewers to do the maths and figure out how that would work. Mm. <laughs> Big ears. Um. <laughs> and then it's had, it's had some uh, load of complaints because there was a same-sex kiss on there Ugh. a little while back, which is so boring and just yeah. people fucking move get on, over it, for fuck's on, sake. Yeah. Annoyingly, that one was for a male same-sex kiss that hadn't been the same level of vitriol for uh, a female same-sex kiss that had happened previously. <laughs> if I did draw up just a very quick quiz for you, it's based on 
villains, I think these are. Can you guess which ones are true and which ones are false? The Celestial Toy Maker? True. True. False. It's true. Winifred Gillyflower? False. <laughs> false. True. True. Cybershade? False. False. True. It's true. Krill Spunk? <laughs> <laughs> False. 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 That's false. false. Sex gas. <laughs> false. True. That's true. False. That's false. true. <laughs> Canteen vandals. False. <laughs> That's true. a good name for a band. False. Yeah, it's false. Uh, the weeping angel. True. Oh, that is true. Whisper men. True. true. And men of the mung. True. False. True. No, that's false. Uh, no, uh, mugging. no mugging. No mugging going on. Oh, yeah, mugging. <laughs> <laughs> Look that one up on Urban Dictionary, guys. Yeah. So, yeah, lots to enjoy in Doctor Who, but for you guys, Dan, were you not entertained? Surprisingly, I was entertained. I, I thought this was actually much better than I thought it would be. I was giving it absolutely zero marks. I was really not in the mood for it. I never believed any of the hype towards this. I remember listening about Matt Smith and, and Tennant all doing it. I never got into any of them. I thought the Doctor was really good in this. I thought she was actually, you know, held it together. And that, along with Bradley Walsh's West Ham star, <laughs> just gives it a, enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> Howie, marks out a six for this one. Um, <laughs> I'd probably give it 3.8. Okay. I watched it whilst having my tea with the kids on Sunday, and yeah, it's all right. I, I won't seek it out, Doctor Who, again, I don't think, but it it was entertainment. It, it, was, it was suitable for the family. My kids liked it. They're 10 and 8. I've never watched Doctor Who. I don't think I will again, but if my kids wanted to, I wouldn't object to it. Cool. Riggs? This was a fun little sort of journey back into the Doctor Who world, considering I haven't watched it for a long time. And I was surprised, considering this was the sort of series finale, how much I could just like jump straight back in and kind yeah. of roll with what was happening. There's pacing issues. There's way too much exposition in it. And there's so many goodbyes at the end. It's like the fucking end of the Lord of the Rings that you were talking about, Side. It like just yeah. keeps going on and on and on uh, and on. Uh, but there's some striking imagery, you know, the Daleks as police using tear gas and water cannons against protesters is like potent and striking. And uh, having seen what we've seen in America over the last uh, few months in particular, it's hard not to sort of feel something relevant about that uh yeah this was fun i really enjoyed watching this actually yeah i i watched it the same day as buster scruggs so i was a bit fatigued when it came to this one but i did like it i think you know there's a it's a good amount of dramatic content if you're watching it you know with the kids it's not your usual sort of throwaway but it is throwaway but it's got some drama in there rather than just the silly laughs and whatever I didn't, however, watch it with my daughter because I think she'd been fucking terrified of mm. Daleks like I was when I was a similar age to her. So I, I think I'll give it a few years before I introduce her to the world of Doctor Who. But yeah, I think this is this is solid. Good. All right. Thanks for your contribution this week, chaps. Dan, you've got some nominations for us for next week? Yeah, we're going to do a top five uh, movies with poor Poise, which is... Uh, Films with marine animals. So top five films featuring any kind of marine animal. For 
Our main feature, we're going to go for the new Christopher Nolan movie, Tenet. Oh, sweet. And, right. and I've, I've heard mixed reports and, and things, but I'm really looking forward to seeing it. And for kids TV, it's a Netflix a show called Raising Dion. And season one, episode one. Okay, okay. Should be kind of interesting. That uh, sounds like a lot of good content for next week. Pick the bones out of that. Right, I'm going to fuck off so we can do some more recording of our midweek mention. All that remains is to say, Sidey, signing out. Reeks out. Dan's gone. Harry, goodbye. <laughs>